Hello everyone, this is Kerwin and my buddy Pusho. And today uh, we're, we're recording episode 23 of What's Happening in Travel. And uh, today's date is Saturday, August 8th. And uh, I'm coming to you live from the TWA terminal in JFK. Well, I'm not. I just stuck a virtual background there. So if you're online, you would see a picture of a virtual background. It would be cool if that the train would just come in, but I guess we can't do that. But anyway, um, so we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Um, one of the things I wanted to kick off is that the U.S. was normally at um, level four, for which level four said do not travel internationally unless it's absolutely essential. And um, I don't think most people paid attention there anyway because people were traveling all over the place. Um, but officially, they've changed from level four, and now they've reverted back to what they had before. So the system of the USA has four levels, and what it normally does is classify countries based on the different levels. And level four is the one that says do not travel. So what they've now done is if you go to travel.state.gov and you look at the individual countries, you can see their levels for each of those countries, and that tells you whether the State Department has said that you should or should not fly to that country. But we're still banned, right, from entering the European Union? Yes. That, and most of the world? Yes. So um, in terms of that, and there's, there's been like miscommunication with that, um, it is based on your residency, uh, not necessarily your citizenship. So uh, if you're oh, a U.S. Yeah, exactly. So if you're a U.S. citizen and you're living in, say, Paris or France, you can go to Spain because your residence is not the United States. But if you're well, a citizen they, living in the US, uh, sorry? How do they prove that? I guess your passport would, um, you know, your, because your what passport okay. would say where you are. And also the country, um, the countries can not admit you if they don't want to. Uh, and things like the things like the UK, you have 14 day, you have to do a 14 day quarantine yeah, to get yeah. to the UK. Just had a friend who did that. He and his family went to the UK, and they're spending a whole month there uh, because they have to do the 14 day quarantine, which they're happily doing. Um, so the thing about when you're traveling is you you still have to check the requirements of the country that you're going to. Also check the requirements of the countries that you're transiting. And uh, more than likely, you're going to need a COVID test, a negative COVID test, uh, which must be no older than usually it's between 72 hours or seven days or something like that. Just check. Oh, yeah. Out. You normally have to go on the website. Go ahead. And also, I think um, if you're traveling on like staff travel tickets mm -hmm. or airlines, you have to make sure that the airline you're planning to fly will allow you to board. Correct, correct. So, so what's, what I've seen some people say they're doing is they actually bought tickets. And uh, luckily the fares aren't too high right now. Uh, but yes, you definitely got to check with the airline um, whether they're taking standby passengers or not. Because um, some oh. of them are not doing that. So you need to, you need to check that. Um, and ch and uh, still, visa requirements are still there. Uh, if they require you to take a COVID test, you have to have a COVID negative test before you go. 
some will let you go and then you take the test there. But if you fail the test when you're there, you're responsible for getting treatment for yourself because I don't think the airline is going to take you back home and you're going to have to figure it out. Of course, mm. if, you fly, if you fly Emirates, then you're covered for 30 days. <laughs> but on a revenue ticket, not on a standby. Exactly, which makes sense. And one thing I've noticed is that some of the companies, the insurance companies that were saying that they're not covering COVID are now covering COVID. So you can check. And I think, again, it's money, right? When you say you're not covering COVID and nobody's buying your policies, but if nobody's buying your policies, you're not making any money. So now they've figured out what's, what's the risk it's going to take for us to cover COVID, and now some of them are covering it. Yeah. So lots I of think stuff. you have to be very careful to do, see what they're covering, because they can say they're covering, but give you a fraction of what your total expenses may be. Exactly, exactly. So that stuff, uh, people uh -huh. need to check that. But, you know, but, but things like, um, you know, if, 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 if you break a leg, which has nothing to do with COVID, um, your medivac will take care of that if you have to get uh, stuff like that. Um, if you if again, you have to buy that insurance, correct? Yeah, but normally medivac so, will not do it normally, will they? Yeah, it, it, it's it's normally a part of the policy. So you, it just depends on the okay. coverage amount that you have. Um, so that kind for the of travel insurance policy that you take out. Yes, for the travel insurance, like I have, a, I have travel insurance. And I'm covered uh, for Medivac. So if I get if I get sick on the road, it covers. Uh, and if I need to if I need to be Medivac somewhere, then it also covers that. So okay. it yeah, it just depends. Make sure you read the policy. That's an important thing um, for what you're to see what you're covered what you're covered for. And I wonder if most people will though. Um, no, they're just it's easy to complain after the fact. Yeah, they do uh, that at their own peril. Yeah. One thing you can get, you can just get annual travel insurance. It is not very expensive. I think I pay like six to seven dollars for the year, um, which is really good. It gives me peace of mind. You can get more coverage if you want. Uh, if you travel a lot, then it's, it's definitely worth it um, to get it, despite the fact that they may not cover COVID, but they cover other things. So if your flight is delayed, if your flight is canceled, uh, things like that, they will, they will cover. You just got to check it. One of two questions, um, would they cover you if you're on staff travel? Is it all travel that's covered? And where would you go to get this covered? Um, it is all travel uh, because um, travel is travel. But if you're, on a, if you're on a standby ticket and you missed your flight, then they won't cover you for that because your flight no. is, not a, is not a confirmed ticket. However, Standby could be a revenue passenger, right? But I'm talking yeah. about like, like, let's say, yeah. airlines. Yeah, airlines. And most of it on your website are probably airline staff. Yes. Right? And airline staff people mm -hmm. will be covered. People always say, always say that. What you need to do is just, um, when you, before you buy the policy, just call them and say, this is the type of travel that I'm going to be on. And they will tell you if that ticket is going to be is going to be covered and it's also about the journey right so it's not just the airline portion it will cover you for ground transportation as well um it'll cover you if you lose an item uh if something is stolen so there's a whole bunch really? of yeah okay yeah there's a lot of different things that that is covered i mean i lost my ipad in the in the airport in houston i had it in the in the in the, in the united club 
and I went, and by the time I got on the plane, I didn't have it. And I don't know, I got off there and the other night, I don't know where I lost it in between there. And they covered it. It's not 100% coverage, but it was like 80%. So at least I had okay. enough to put to And work. where would you go to get coverage? Oh, you go to Passport. You just Google? Uh, okay. Uh, okay slash travel insurance. Yeah. Okay. Very convenient, right? <laughs> and that's very convenient, actually. Yeah. And so. I do get a commission if you guys get a policy. Um, but it's just like anything else. Um, you know, it's it's a referral. So I do get a commission if you go and say, and I'm not just telling you to get travel insurance because I get a commission. I'm telling you to get travel insurance because it will help you and because I also have travel insurance. So that's Especially at this time. Especially at this time. Um, so that's the important thing. So make sure you check that. All right. So with all that out of the way, um, let's talk about the airline news that we have uh, for this for today. So here's what we got. Um, and something that I'm quite annoyed at, but Southwest is cutting back on cleaning the aircraft between flights. What do you say, Kishore? I am not surprised, but I'm actually surprised that they mentioned it because Southwest really, um, I think does a good job as far as PR goes and they're very amenable to their passengers, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So to say this um, out loud and right up front, I don't know if it's going to have an impact or if it was a misstep on their part. Just backing up a little, what I understand, they said they were no longer going to clean things like the seat belts, seat buckles, the windows, the uh, overhead consoles where you know you can press for your light or flight attendant and things like that. So they were only going to do the tray tables and the labs. Now, um, the, one of the reasons they mentioned why they were not going to do this is because every night they do this electrostatic spraying of the aircraft, which is essentially disinfectant that has been that is being charged as it comes out of a nozzle. So it's a spray that's charged and it sticks to um, items that are grounded that are in its path, direct path. Now, from what I understand, this disinfectant is only as good as how long it lasts. Now, given that most disinfectants are alcohol, um, I don't see it lasting for more than a few minutes, and which is fine if it's no longer touched, like um, overnight. So for the first flight of the day, yeah, everything's clean. But on the third, fourth, fifth flights of the day, especially for an airline like Southwest, I'm not sure it's still clean. Even though the lifetime of a virus on, let's say, an inanimate object like a butt belt, a seat belt, or a seat fabric, or whatever, is not very high, still, I'm not sure it's really effective at that stage. But I'm clear. I'm sure they did their homework before making this announcement. Mm. So uh, maybe the risk is so low, it was worth it for them to save a little time to increase their turnaround. And uh, because remember, they're bleeding. 
right now. Well, They've okay. still kept their um, middle seat open okay. um, criteria, I believe, until uh, October 31st. They're losing a lot of money. And maybe this was a way to add more flights and try and recoup some of that lost revenue. But uh, in a way, I'm glad they were upfront about it, but I don't know how the public is going to react. Uh, I will be very interested to see if their load factors are hit. I I don't like it Um, because, and I get the money money side of it, that all the airlines are losing money, they're front and center. But for you to say that you're doing areas that are not trafficked, not as trafficked, they're doing the labs, which is good. And um, they're doing the, the right. tray tables. But the seatbelt, everybody who sits down in a seatbelt puts a seatbelt on. Everybody touches it. So, and Southwest makes a lot of flights with those planes during the day. So it's not like they do one flight and then the next one is not for another three, four hours. They do quite a bit of flying. And especially now, since they have a lot of planes grounded, they're using that airplane more, which is probably why they want to cut the time down because they realize that they can't keep the schedule that they have um, with the limited number of planes that they're flying. But remember, I believe CDC, sorry, I'm interrupting again, but I believe the CDC recommended a little while ago that the risk of, of, getting something from an inanimate object, like let's say groceries or whatever, is really, really low. So maybe they use that justification to um, be confident enough to announce this. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't, I don't like how it looks. Um, it, it, it's the same reason why more people are flying Delta than Delta, well, Delta, JetBlue, Alaska, Southwest, because they all had the middle seat empty than other airlines. Because people just want, even, even if it's, even if there's no science behind it, people want a sense of calm. Because uh, when, I, when I flew in Delta, I felt so much better that there wasn't somebody brushing next to my shoulder, somebody who I don't know. Um, somebody who I don't know if they so, wash their hands. So what <laughs> do they do, I'm wondering, on aircraft, like let's say the, the, the Airbus 220, where it's a two and three configuration. I have what an answer do? for you. <laughs> I have an answer for you. So it's one person. No, no, no. what they do with on two-seat side is if you are traveling by yourself, um, that seat next to you is open. If you are traveling with somebody else, uh, mm-hmm. then you two can sit there. Okay, that's makes sense. They, yeah, that's how they did mm-hmm. that. Now, it is not clear how they did it because I was at, on, my, on the flight I did. There was actually two, two such seats are open. And I tried to pick them, and I did. And then I went back and looked at the seat map, and the other seat next to me was not blocked. However, though, moments later, um, I th- and I picked the one I wanted in the aisle and uh, in, in the window. But moments later, when I looked at the seat map again, the seat that I was picking was taken, and the one next seat was blocked. And when I got on the plane, I checked, and it was indeed taken and blocked. Um, mm-hmm. But they need to communicate this policy to their agents because I asked the agent, a friend of mine told me that that was a policy and uh, they work for Delta. And then I, when I got to Denver, I asked the agents in the Sky, Sky Club and they weren't sure and they had this long conversation after I walked away about it. 
And then when I got to Atlanta, I asked the agent in Atlanta, and she said, yep, that's exactly what they did. Um, so they need so, to communicate that to everybody to make sure everyone is on the same page. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not happy with Southwest doing that. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens, right? Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so in talking about cleaning airplanes, um, United is doing some stuff to clean their cockpits. What are they doing? This again, I thought was very unique, at least as of now, that um, normally they're using these uh, electrostatic sprayers, which, are, which do deposit a film of uh, disinfectant on the materials that are being sprayed. Yeah. as they're doing in the cabin. But in the cockpit, they're, UV, they're using handheld UVC lights. Now, UVC is the shortest wavelength, so the highest energy of the UV uh, spectrum, which is okay. A and B. So most of the light, the UV light we get is from the sun, and it's mostly A and B, because the C uh, wavelength is absorbed by the ozone of our atmosphere. So the A and B is uh, what damages us. And the C, of course, is most damaging to the skin because of the, the low wavelength. And if you know the equation E equal to HC over lambda, which is the wavelength, the energy of UV light at a low wavelength is higher. But anyway, uh, uh, so what uh, they're doing on, is this. Hold on, hold on one second, sir. Um, if, if, you, if you're watching the video version of this, you can see the look in Krishna's face uh, because he's like, I can't believe I'm giving you all a formula right now. <laughs> but he physics. Had, High he school had, physics. I know. He had this physics on the physics look on his face. Krishna's a really smart guy. So, I mean, this is why he's giving you the formula for this. But, um, but anyway, carry on. Low wavelength is high energy. So they're spraying the cockpit with this light. But um, I'm wondering what what it does to the glass, though. Uh, but I'm sure United, again, knows exactly what they're doing. So apparently there's no long-term damage okay. well, um, by doing this between flights. Because I think it's a great idea. Because you don't want really liquids on uh, control surfaces and switches and things like that. Yeah. So, um, so what were they doing? Yeah, I don't know what's damage it would do to like glass if it would cloud it eventually yeah. or not but uh, so what were they doing prior to using you know i don't know i don't really know are they just using the little handheld spray things that i see them with perhaps they were which is those things are very expensive by the way i was looking at one of them yes they are they're yeah. fifteen hundred dollars all of this is not cheap for the airlines yeah, it's a, it's a very expensive oh. proposition. And people still want cheap pairs. Like, I still see those, um, you know, Max flights and um, Scott's cheap flights and Dollar Flight Club and all those people still sending stuff out. Yeah. And I just think that these guys are very irresponsible. Uh, finally, Scott's cheap flight actually came out and started to talk about the coronavirus and all that because initially they weren't talking about it. They were just giving, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're giving you cheap flights in October or November. Dudes, it is not going away in October or November. So I don't think that they should be doing these cheap flight things because all that's happening is that people are buying these tickets and then they have to get them refunded. And then the airlines are dragging their feet and refunding them. So, um, but 
on that note, I mean, I, I was reading also that United has brought back their 5,000 mile one-way tickets. Uh, because normally the basic thing, is, I, I believe, is about 12,500. Usually, yeah. For some routes in the U.S., domestic U.S., yeah. the mileage is 5,000 miles, which is, I think, okay. another way to try and stimulate demand. And this yeah. is all for the later part of the year when traffic typically dies down from supposedly the peak of July and August. Yeah, it's so, crazy. I mean, because if you think about it, normally um, the airlines would have uh, a lot of traffic or income on the booking what's called advanced bookings as you know yeah they got nothing i don't think people are buying tickets for new year's they're not buying because they because they can't go anywhere they don't know where to go um uh they're not buying tickets for um christmas they're not buying tickets for there is no ces so they that's right yeah zippo income from this from ces so i mean it's it's pretty pretty devastating when it comes when it comes to the the long and even I was um, in fact on the news just yesterday or today I was hearing about how countries like um, Italy and France are being severely hit because they relied so much on U.S. tourists. Oh yeah, I mean especially as, Italy. Exactly. I mean, as not um, we can't get on flights during the summer to yeah. Europe. Uh, I mean. You know, it's it, it's it, it go it goes one way. So like when the summer starts, you can't go to Europe, um, but you can but you can come to the U.S. Um, because a lot of the, the flights are empty at coming to the U.S. And then at the end of the summer, which will be coming up to the end of August, beginning of September, um, you can get to Europe easily. You just can't get back. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, so you know, so as Elon employees, we travel differently. So when you guys are going to Europe, we're coming from Europe. When you guys are coming from Europe, we're going to Europe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the you know the industry is um, pretty bad. And speaking of the industry being pretty bad, um, with this, let's jump internationally. Um, well, let's have some good news before we have uh, more bad news. Um, the Taiwanese carriers are offering flights to nowhere. Actually, today, what's going on with that? Again, I thought this was a very unique topic, and so that's why I wanted to bring it up. Uh But Taiwan has handled this COVID situation brilliantly. One of the countries, like together with South Korea and a few other uh, countries in the world. Taiwan has been a standout case. They've had very few cases and even fewer, much, much fewer deaths. But they have closed their borders and... um, They've allowed no international traffic. And apparently the Taiwanese like to travel. So what um, the airlines in Taiwan did is that in July, they organized this um, flight to nowhere, as they called it, where you could board a plane at one of the two or both of the two Taiwan Taipei airports in July and uh, just get the whole flight experience. And today, August 8th, is um, Father's Day in Taiwan, apparently. I did not know that. So, (laughs) again, what all four Taiwanese airlines did, actually the big ones, so it's Starlux, um, Eva, China Airlines, and uh, soon to be Renan China Airlines, and uh, Tiger Air. So what they did is that they organized these flights, again to nowhere, 
picking off from either Songshan or uh, Aoyan airports in Taipei for about two to three hours, but giving you the flight experience. But the one I was reading the most about was uh, Eva, which had flight 5288, which translates to supposedly, I love my papa in Mandarin Taiwanese. I love your poker. I love your papa. Oh, your papa. Father. Okay. Father's day. But um, I wanted to test this, so I used Google Translate for both 5288 and I love papa. And they didn't sound anything similar. <laughs> but apparently, I did some, my intonation wasn't right or whatever. But anyway, that was the flight number they gave it. And okay. uh, interestingly, that's the amount in Taiwan dollars that they charged. Oh, okay. This was about a three, three and a half hour flight on a Hello Kitty Airbus 330. Oh, dude. <laughs> so I'm sure now, I, just from your reaction, you know how attractive the Hello Kitty yes. uh, theme is, especially in Asia. So on board, you would get a lot of this Hello Kitty merchandise. You would get um, gourmet food. Um, and you would get alcohol and duty free. That's good. So, yeah, yeah, and free texting and uh, um, Wi Fi together with in flight entertainment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, when I, curiously, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, when I tried to track this flight on um, Flight Aware as VR5288. I couldn't see anything because yeah. there was a Tiger Air flight as well with a flight number. But again, I couldn't really find it on Flight Away. So yeah, I hope it happened. It sounded really, really interesting. Yeah. Because, for instance, Tiger Air offered a slightly higher fare of uh, the equivalent of 300-ish US dollars. But it also included a free trip to Japan. Later in the year, valid um, ah, for one okay. year. Once Japan opened up, yeah, I was I was checking so, on, on flight aware to try to find, but it's it it just has um, regular flights. They actually have more flights than I thought that are running. Oh, so, because there was just no BR five two eight eight. No, there's not. But um, Starlux, for instance, which is a relatively new airline from Taiwan, they had a fare of 159 US dollars equivalent that gave you one night at a Taipei hotel for two people. And again, for this two, two and a half, three hour flight. So they just tried to. I thought this was travel. such a unique idea. Yeah. And I'm sure it's very, very specific for uh, Taiwan. Yeah, it's quite good. Now, I mean, I'm so, just looking, I didn't realize that. Um, Eva Air had so many flights that are still flying now. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure a lot of them are cargo because there's... From the, well, no, I mean, they're showing up a scheduled flights. So I was looking at Spiderware. So they're, they're actually scheduled flight numbers. But yeah, they're probably carrying a lot of cargo. So, I didn't realize they had... Because yeah. um, I think the borders are still closed in Taiwan. I believe so. Yeah, then these must be all... But, um, all, all um, like you said, all cargo... So, 
but they are regular commercial flight numbers. Yeah. Not, yeah, they're not special uh, cargo numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's so, actually. Oh, let me tell you one more thing. Uh -huh. For the uh -huh. EVA flight, uh -huh. if you paid a thousand extra Taiwanese dollars, which was worked, which works out to an extra thirty-four US dollars, yeah, you get business class. Oh. So on, and I That's would assume bad. that would be a live flat on a three yeah. thirty. I wish which they I would. Thought was a great deal. Yeah, I hope they would. They will um, come back and or the people who actually flew it. I need to check Twitter to see to see what people are saying that's actually that's actually pretty cool i mean if you think and about the menu sounded delicious we had sashimi yeah. with rice and a good. braised beef noodle dish or so, so was this on each of the airlines website did they have like a special place where they no had... this came through on my daily news uh -huh. uh, on okay. phone my apple news yeah and i just checked um for instance, CNN had it on their website as well. Yeah, I'm just wondering how. So, so a, lot, a lot of times we get the, the news stories. Um, it's so difficult to go and find exactly how to do whatever they're talking about. Um, because it's always, because everybody wants you to click on their news story to get, to get advertising and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was just kind of wondering, um, you know, what was the procedure? So I need to go check Eva Ear's site and see if they have anything about it, like how it. That's what I should have done, actually. Yeah, did people and show seen up? If I, because I'm very curious to know if it, how full this flight was. Right. Exactly. But as usual with the news, we will never get a, um, an update on how yeah. it went and all that. Yeah. So uh, it'll it'll be it'll, it'll be uh, that's actually a really good idea, and it gives the Taiwanese something to do. And, you know, and they've yeah. contained it, so if they've contained it, then people won't be so, won't be upset about, and I have a bee. Yep. Sorry, the bee's gone. Um, all right, cool. So, so see, there are some good, some good things happening in the industry. Um, all right. So, we've heard good things. Let's go talk about some not-so-good things again. <laughs> so, Virgin Australia, um, which started out as a, all 737 fleet is guess what reverting to an all 737 fleet what's going on there kisha yep well they were close <laughs> to bankruptcy so uh they were sold to bain capital uh -huh. u.s investment firm and one of the conditions was they eliminate um all their long-haul flights which includes los angeles and tokyo narita and I think Hong yeah. Kong as well. And I'm not sure about Singapore, but um, so that means all their 330s, their 777s, um, their white bodies have to be disposed of. Now, they haven't said this is a permanent move, but this is a relatively long-term move. So they're not keeping them and they're disposing of them. Whoa. They are going to... Uh, hang on, Kisha. When you say disposing of them, it's not like it's a piece of paper you throw in the trash. What are, what are, what are they doing with them exactly? Selling them. <laughs> Selling them, okay. Or returning them to their lessons. Okay, gotcha. Leasing companies. Okay. So now they're reverting back to their 79, 737s, some of which are going to be uh, removed from service. And they've also um, announced that they are losing, um, I think, 
2,000 of their 8,000 staff, sorry, 3,000 out of their um, 9,000 staff. So they're keeping 6,000 people and hiring a few temporary workers in the meantime. Okay. But I thought this was a big deal because um, um, now there's no competition for Qantas if and when it does resume international service. So they're still going to do their domestic um, state capital connections. Right. Like, for instance, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Sydney, and all of that sort of thing. And I guess they can still keep Bali and uh, some of the Pacific Islands that are relatively close to the um, Australian mm -hmm. mainland because the 737 can manage those uh -huh. routes. Yeah. But all their long hauls are gone for at least a few years, I would guess. Uh, that's interesting. Um, so, but I hope this is the medicine they need to come back. Because I really think Qantas does need a competitor. Uh, you mean so, on the long haul? On right. the long hauls, yes. Haul. And even on the short hauls. But one of the casualties appears to be Tiger Air. Yeah. So I just their think... 320s are also gone. Yeah, a lot of these airlines, they, um, again, it's, it's run by a lot of guys with egos. And I say this because I've interacted with these guys with egos. And um, they want world domination. And when you, when you, I mean, you expanded the airline quicker than you should. And so now, I mean, now you're basically, the industry is devastated. So there's not much you can do, but just stop flying. Yep. Uh, and go back to what you know works, which is flying 737s to short, short hops and around Australia. Because Australia is, I mean, it is still, what, four or five hours to fly across country. So it's not, it's not like it's a short yeah. flight. Um, it's, it's probably longer than that. So, yeah. One of the, I've done a, a Perth to Sydney flight. It's been a while. I can't remember how long that flight was. But um one of the things I was going to say about, oh, so Australia is having huge issues now with COVID. They, they had, I guess. Especially in Melbourne. Out. Yeah, in Melbourne. They in Victoria. Out. Yeah. And basically, you can't go between, what are they, is it provinces they call them or states? States. Yeah, yeah, yeah between New South Wales and, yeah, and Victoria. Like a, and now Queensland has closed its border. To oh, yeah. They've all closed. Like if if you're in a state, you need to stay in that state. That's pretty much what they yeah. what they've told people. I mean, they're at their highest their highest thing now. And I mean, only a few weeks ago, a blogger friend of mine he was flying around. Well, he wasn't flying. He was actually driving around Australia. And I need to get in touch with him and see and see how things are going. But now they're basically on lockdown again. Um, and they weren't allowing anyone to come in. So which means that other people must have come in somehow and cause the and cause it to get out of control again because they had controlled it here's the thing that i've also read um that sydney is allowing passenger flights in but only up to a limit of about 350 yeah. passengers a day so it was like 40 something on a because uh, uh, i saw something that said so, yeah it's going to be like 40 people on a triple seven flying across the pacific so I don't know who is allowed in. I thought Austra uh, Australia's borders were closed for international travelers. They are, but, yeah. Because United is flying, right, from San Francisco to Sydney. Yeah, see, this is, um, it, this is my thing, right, is that, and I keep saying this, is that um, the airlines and the airports 
have to test people before they get on airplanes. Um, I know that's expensive, but this is what's happening, right? I mean, Australia. But you I, need instantaneous testing because the situation we have here, yes, where it takes five to seven days, is worthless. Is I, I I totally agree with you, but if we don't if we don't put a, I, I know everybody wants to make money because we're losing money left, right, and center. Heck, my own business have been struck by this. However, though, every time that a country opens up, we bring more people in, and then it gets infested again, and it's because people just aren't doing the protocols that are in place. So yeah. we need to figure out. How are we gonna test people before they get on that plane? Because it's pretty clear that the airplanes are carrying people that are sick. Because some people just- didn't I don't think that's the fault of the airlines though. I do not believe that's the fault. It's the people. It is a fault of the people, but the airlines should be able to do something about it, right? I mean- Who I, pays I, though? Who, who will pay? Well, that is the question, right? Somebody has to pay for this. However though, like in the Caribbean, they're bringing all these people in the care. Like Jamaica's having high numbers again. So now they're like, if you don't have any business coming to Jamaica, you you can't come. I mean, they're 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 clamping down again um, because all these people are going in and bringing the virus in again and infecting people in the country. And so, at some point though, somebody who whoever have all this power, whatever they whatever the the people are in charge has to say, look. How are we going to stop the spread of this disease if we are this virus? It's obvious that the airplanes are taking people in. So we need to figure out something at the airports. I said, look, just like how, um, you know, when you go into Matic and it says, and Tomatic is a system that checks uh, visas and health requirements. If I want to go to Ghana and I don't have my, my Ghana card, my uh, what you call it, malaria yellow card, I can't go. So we're going to have to do the same thing for this virus until we can figure it out. And yet the Caribbean needs all the tourists it can get. They do. The so it's like a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword, but you're bringing them in and then yeah. they're getting sick because they are not following the rules uh, that these islands have so carefully sketched out um, that if all they're asking you to do, wear a freaking mask. That's it. That is all they're asking you to do uh, before you go and just take a test and fill some forms out online. And people just see that so difficult to do and argue over it. I just don't get it. Um, and well, fish in little brats. And we're, we're not gonna we should stay away from that. Uh, we should. We're not gonna control this thing unless, unless that happens. Uh, but anyway, you all know how we feel about that. Um, okay, more news about, now you do. Now you do. More news about, um, about uh, Australia. Um, and it's more doom and gloom. <laughs> Qantas is sending those 789s back to California because... Well, some of them. They haven't specified how many. They have 11. So they're sending them uh, to Victorville because they do not expect their international flights to resume until about July 2021 at the earliest. Yeah. They're keeping a few in Australia for contingency purposes. Yeah. But um, I guess the only white body they're going to have then is the 330, which they're going to use, I guess, 
on the Perth, Sydney and Perth, uh, yeah. uh, Brisbane clubs. So, so, and so, Melbourne. so here's a question about this. Can't they store them in Alice Springs? I mean, isn't that... Um, you don't know if they have um, the space, first of all. And remember, LAX is a huge maintenance space for Qantas. Well, yeah, so Victorville would... is drivable from. Um, uh, yeah, I mean it's easy, and they have all the facilities. So I guess maybe that's right. why. But you'd think that I mean Australia, they have a lot of desert. Yep. I mean, yep. it's, uh, Alice Springs is. Because Singapore storing there, three eighties there. Yeah. It could be a cost thing also, but uh, that's that's yeah, that's an interesting thing. Why they would go halfway across the world, but I'm sure they got a good deal. Yeah, and so and, and how do so, these guys? How did these? How does the crew get back? Are they are they having like I guess a cargo flight come back and pick him up or is that something? Yep, or oh, something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting question. How did they get back? <laughs> the the logistics behind all this is just maybe United, uh, maybe United or Delta. Well, well, so all right. So in a case like this where Australia is having a lot of issues. They should not even allow uh, United to fly passengers in. You should just bring in cargo and that's it. Uh, because well, if but it's not just United though, right? A lot of Chinese carriers are coming in. See, and that's my thing. It's so, like, I know, I know the commerce thing has to go, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, it's very, very complicated. Very, very complicated. Um, all right. So more not so good news. <laughs> Emirates, who used to fly to Fort Lauderdale instead of Miami, which I didn't think I could actually realize, um, they're canceling some flights. Uh, what are they doing, Michelle? Again, this just caught my attention because it's a very subjective choice of what topics to include. And um, they've also canceled the nonstop Newark yeah. from Dubai and the uh, Adelaide flight from Dubai. Well, that um, plus all their South America operations via uh, Rio to yeah. um, Santiago and uh, Buenos Aires. So okay. they're really tightening up. And okay. um, for instance, they've cut Gatwick from three A380s a day to one. So total London um, ops for Stansted, London, Heathrow, and Gatwick have gone from 11 a day from Dubai to eight. But- um, Who are these people? And why are they flying so many planes to, to, uh, to the UK? Because they can, right? And remember, Emirates has to get use these 380s because they're not cheap. And oh, there's yeah. obviously demand or not. No, there's Who no knows? demand. There's no demand, Kusha. It's cargo. There is, well, see, no, the 380 cannot really take that much cargo. Yeah, well, there's no, there's, there's no way they can bring, uh, there's no way what three, 400 people a day are trying to get from Dubai to the UK. When That's lot, just one flight, right? On right. The 380? Yeah. Well, a lot of those places are still in lockdown. You know, we need, we need mm -hmm. to go look at that, like try to book a flight and see what the seat map looks like. But anyway, going back to your Fort Lauderdale question, it was yeah. four times a week on a uh, 777L. Um, and I'm curious to know if they will uh, ditch Fort, Fort Lauderdale for Miami. 
um, in the future. But for now, they've uh, got no Florida presence at all. Actually, I don't think so, they will just they will ditch Fort Lauderdale because they have a, a co-chair agreement with JetBlue, um, right? You know, so they will keep they will keep um, they will keep that. And remember that they got that military contract. I think was it JetBlue like, did? Was it the yeah JetBlue? JetBlue yep. did only because it's a co-chair with Emirates because Emirates is the one that's carrying the passengers. The JetBlue right. didn't have an international. <sighs> so, interesting times. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so. And of course, Qatar flying into Miami makes sense because it's, they're both uh, one world, American and. Uh, American is there, yeah. One world partners. Um, so. I know, it's crazy. All right, so sorry, we're, we're running down the doom and gloom side, but this one is actually a pretty serious. Um, yeah, India Express had a 737 crash about a day or so ago. Yeah. The details are still a little unclear. I hate to speculate about what happened. Well, let's not speculate. Because now we get the facts. <laughs> uh, now they're saying that the wheels wouldn't go down, um, and they made three attempts to land. Um, but I would imagine that if your wheels are not down, why would you attempt a landing and then abort it? And they said because they wanted to burn fuel. Right. And I would imagine if you were wanting to burn fuel, you would do it circling the airport or the ocean nearby. So, again, not clear what happened, but an interesting thing about this Calicut Cozy Code Airport is that it's on a plateau. So, the runway is um, so it's sort of like St. Helena. You're familiar with that airport in the South mm -hmm. Atlantic. Uh, the runway sits on this plateau. And on either side is this huge drop. So it was raining heavily at the time. And uh, yeah, we don't know if there was wind shear that caused the aircraft to skid, but it overshot the runway and fell these few hundred feet down onto the, um, what is the, what, the land beneath wow. the airport. And wow. it broke apart. Wow. There was no fire. Um, and the pilot was extremely experienced, so we still don't really know what happened. Precisely. Did, anyone, did anyone get killed on the flight? 16, I believe, at last, uh, out of approximately 190 people. It was a really full flight coming from Dubai. Yeah, it was doing, so, what was it riding? Dubai to where? Dubai, Calicut. Now, so where's Calicut? Air Express. Calicut is in the southwest coast of India in the state of Kerala. Wow, okay. So, that's a lot. And of they have a huge um, uh, population of people who go to the Middle East for work. Right, I was just going to about that. It's a lot of workers that are coming home. Uh, oh, that's crazy. So this is kind and of- And this was one of those repatriation flights under the air bubble agreement that India has with the UAE. Oh, okay. So, oh my God, that's so crazy. Um, so this is actually the second crash that we've had during COVID um, because uh, that one was a Pakistan A320. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, that I, was absolutely pilot error. Yeah. Thinking. Well, this one is interesting because uh, the Air, Air India Express one, I haven't, that hasn't showed up on the feed, which is one of the things that's ridiculous with the news media um, is 
unless there are Americans involved in these airline crashes, you never hear about them. Or they're just like a passing blurb or a passing blip on the screen. But that, that's everything, right? I know, but if there's no... A life is a life, right? And by yeah. media, they don't, they don't seem to care, uh, you know, unless there's someone from the, this part of the world that's on the flight. Yeah, that's about even the news here. Yeah, it's... it's, it's, so, it's I don't want to digress, but there's this important election in Belarus tomorrow, Monday. Uh-huh. And there's nothing about it in the U.S. And it's a huge deal. Yeah, it, we're just not we're, not, we're not so internationally conscious for some odd reason. Um, There's no it, education about the international world. Yeah, unless it, unless it affects us, we're like, ah, we don't care. And you're like, well, but we're and, digressing and, into and, dangerous territory. We are, we are, we are. We, we try not to discuss politics on this, but a lot of stuff that, a lot of aviation is politicized because that's how, that, that's kind of how the world is, right? All right, so let's so let's get off that topic before we before we we, uh, we get ourselves in trouble. Um, let's get back to the U.S. now. Um, uh, actually, why don't we go? Uh, well, we're, we're actually in the U.S. We'll, we'll talk about. Um, so a lot of the airlines are laying off a lot of people, and in the U.S. we have something called the CARES Act, and what that does that actually quote unquote gave the airline money so they can't lay people off until October first. So what a lot of airlines are doing is trying to figure out um, how to keep people on and being creative and things like that. And so uh, Delta has some interesting news when it comes to that. What have you found, Kesha? Again, um, I think this was uh, the CEO who mentioned this, that they were looking for about 20% of their staff to leave before they had to issue furloughs to their staff because they just don't have that many flights and therefore they don't need that many employees. Mm-hmm. So um, during the week of uh, July 27th, they apparently got almost 20% of their staff to leave through voluntary um, uh, layoffs and uh, early retirements. So they only had to issue follows uh, notices to about 2,600 pilots at Delta yeah. Yeah. versus about 61,000 staff at American and United. So whatever they offered, they made it a very attractive package for um, their staff. Now this GERS back, um, deal, which um, I think stands for Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic uh, Security, <laughs> Clever thinkers, right? Uh, uh, they're talking about extending that through next early spring next year. So yeah. now I don't know what they're going to do about these people who took voluntary uh, uh, exit packages, if they're going to be hired back or not. But again, yeah. I thought it was remarkable that Delta got the results they did compared to the um, United and American packages. I'm just guessing so, that the, the employees there are a little happier. Um, and, you know, di- different company, different uh, vibe, management, management styles. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably why, why that's the case. Um, I mean, that's good. I've had a bunch of people who have lost their jobs. And so um, I know firsthand what's going on with those mm. people. 
Um, all right, so speaking of that, we're sitting in the U.S. Uh, Virgin Atlantic files for Chapter 15, not Chapter 11. So what's the deal with that? So this is a relatively new um, law in the U.S. I think it was, it was uh, instituted in 2005. Mm -hmm. So it allows a foreign debtor to shield its assets um, operating in other countries. And uh, given that the uh, Virgin Atlantic is owned 51% by the Virgin Group and 49% by Delta, it made sense. And the reason they did this is because uh, they issued a warning that they had only $49 million in cash next week compared to the 79 to $80 million that was uh, required for their creditors when they got their um, $1.8 million uh, loan a few months ago. So they've already got half. So it's about, um, I believe they got about 900 million. So they needed another 900 million and they needed it now. So it's 1.8 billion um, then, right? One point, yes. What did I say? Did I say 1.8 million? Yeah. Like, okay, oh, no. That's not much. <laughs> And most of it was through the sale of the Heathrow slots. Hmm. So if they had to sell those Heathrow slots, essentially Virgin would have to liquidate. Because remember, they are still on track to retrench from Gatwick. I'm not sure about Manchester, but um, so they were going to consolidate their London ops at Heathrow. So they really could not afford to get rid of any of their Heathrow slots. Yeah, yeah. So this was a means, I guess, to draw attention to the fact that they uh, needed protection from their creditors. So again, I don't know what has happened since then. This was earlier this week that they filed for the rules. So they should have a result by fairly soon. Yeah, I would say that the financial people at these airlines are working overtime. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm assuming Absolutely. that they're they're the ones that they that they're that they're keeping because the financial side of all this is is crazy. And the interesting thing is that a lot of these laws were created to circumvent a lot of what's going on. And so you have really, really smart people that, you know, you and I would be like, oh yeah, we'll file for Brian because we have no money. They're like, hmm, you don't have to do that. You can do this. And it's legal, right? Money talks. Money talks all the time. Um, all right, so let's go to American. We have two stories on American. Um, one is, uh i guess they're giving apple tv for free now apple tv plus yeah so which is a more comprehensive series of programming yeah um you can get everything that apple tv plus has to offer if you have your own device but um they will also have select offerings on their ifp systems starting august 1st so this should already be in play on all American Airlines flights that are equipped with Wi-Fi and or have IFE. But I thought this was a very generous offer because they didn't have to do it. No one else is doing anything equivalent, um, to my knowledge. But um, 
and nobody's on their planes for sure. And they're just trying to, they're just trying to test it. That's all they're trying but to still, do. it's costing them. I'm sure it's costing uh, them. Uh, I think it's costing them anything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I thought it was a good gesture. I don't know what's on Apple TV Plus, but um, it gives the passenger yet more choice. So you know what it is. Um, and uh, there are public companies that have probably disclosed it at some point. Uh, and maybe Apple TV Plus is not doing too well, so right. they needed more publicity. It's but I mean, it works for both people, right? For both yeah. organizations. It's complete advertising. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, these companies don't do anything for us for free. I mean, we know that. So that's complete advertising. That Especially is, Apple. Right. So that's the deal where they say, hey, we need you to help us promote Apple TV Plus. And so um, it's advertising. So Apple is, is put in the bill and American is just a distributor. And they're like, oh yeah, we'll give it to our customers for free um, for, uh, it's yeah. just, for example, on a Delta flight, um, and I think it's also American too, um, if you're on a plane that has, uh, it depends on who the internet provider is, um, it's probably all. It's probably all the because because the airlines they have internet, but it's provided by different companies based on the airplane you're on. And so when I flew okay. my Delta flight, I got free internet because of T-Mobile. I got an hour free on actually <laughs> both flights using T-Mobile. And it's not it's not because Delta wanted to give me free internet. They have a deal with T-Mobile um, that that. How fast though? Oh, it's actually. It was really fast. I mean, I didn't, okay. I, didn't, I didn't have any lag. I was able to send whatever I wanted to send. Um, I think I even did like an Instagram post. Um, you can't do, I don't think you can do any live, live streaming on it, but okay. it, it was good. I mean, I, I was able to do stuff like I'm, like I'm on the ground except for live streaming. So um, Speaking of live streaming, how are we doing regarding time? Oh, we're way over. <laughs> I don't okay. know. We're almost done there. We just have two more topics. Um, well, uh, we actually have um, something else about American. Uh, something about nuts. What's going on with that? This, again, I thought was very, very interesting and so unique. So I'm sure those of the listeners who have traveled on um, any premium airline, at least in the U.S., any premium class service, at least on U.S. carriers, uh, will be used to the nuts, some of which may be warmed, that are given to you as a pre-meal uh, snack. And um, as you can imagine, these airlines have bulk contracts with suppliers. Uh-huh. So American had this deal with this really small company based out of Arlington in Texas called GNS. And... Uh, one of the clauses in their contracts was that um, they would have to keep, Giannis would have to keep their prices um, constant for a year. And weirdly, American would have the right to terminate that clause at short notice. So, surprise, American did. And GNS, the nut supplier, was stuck with all these packages of American branded mixed nuts were ready to ship but american didn't want them anymore because uh, they didn't have significant operations and uh 
So what GNS did is then they started selling these nuts through their retail operation. And they have a small store near their factory and manufacturing um, location, which is again near in Arlington. Okay. But American objected. They filed suit to stop GNS from selling their American branded nuts. So then again, GNS had to Come on. scramble and uh, um, try and get rid of these because nuts, even though they're relatively long lasting, they don't have an infinite shelf life. They will go stale. So what they're doing, I thought was very resourceful, is that they're offering 20 ounces of these mixed nuts for about six US dollars. So that's about 30 US cents per ounce. Now, if you go to, let's say, a typical 7-Eleven or any convenience store, the equivalent cost is about 80 cents per ounce. So, whereas you're paying six US dollars from GNS, at a convenience store, you would be paying about US dollars 16. So it's a huge saving. But what I thought was also pretty remarkable, that when this became public, American Airlines staff stepped in and started buying their nuts. Which I thought was a really nice thing of them to do. Yeah. But I thought it was such an interesting topic. But it's and uh, unfortunately, United did the same thing to GNS. But United only got 20% of their nut supply from GNS. Yeah. But they're still stuck with this 1.7 million pounds of nuts that they need to get rid of by the next... Uh, Before they die. So, so... Right. And the okay. thing is... Sorry, one more thing. GNS is really not set up to um, sell through their sell appreciable quantities of nuts through their retail establishment, right? Because most of it was sold directly to the yeah. carriers. Uh -huh. So they're having to now repackage this at short notice to try and get this out of their warehouses well, was, to minimize their spoilage. Because that was my question, like, because you mentioned it, they'd already packaged them. That's the right for for both airlines, right? Yes. Um, and so you know, you know what so, I think, you know what I don't understand with this. We're in a crisis, right? Why can't these airlines help out their suppliers? I mean, what kind of relationship are you going to have? Because you, you're going to need nuts. This, the industry is not going away, right? You're gonna, right. In a year's time, you're going to need nuts. And but remember, this was in the contract that GNS agreed to. I know. Yes, I hear what you're saying. I, I know hear what you're saying. But nobody expected the coronavirus to show up, right? It was not GNS's fault. I know, it's yes. not GNS's fault. It's, 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 you know, sadly, it's force majeure. Is that what they call it? Or whatever, yeah. that, whatever that thing, that term is. I'm not a lawyer, but I would think that... So one thing that's, one thing that's wrong with the humans, us as humans, is that we, we forget that we're humans. Um, so here it is that two companies are trying to, I, and I know, I know it's money, I know, and it's money on both sides, but how about trying to help the company? So why don't you just let the company sell the nuts? I know it has your branding on it, but people are going to get it, get the nuts anyway from your thing. You don't want it. 
because of because you can't yeah. you can't get rid of it and so what's going to happen is it's going to go to waste we're going to have all this nuts that's just going to be out there not being used it's the the company's going to see yeah you know what's going to happen yeah. now this company is now going to figure out a way to sell the nuts to consumers and guaranteed when these companies needs when these airlines need these nuts again in the future they're just going to have to go find somebody else because that's what they speculate that uh gns is no longer going to have a contract with american airlines yeah they won't and they won't i would it's a mom and pop operation so it's not a very large corporation no i know but so they really really depended on american airlines but they have oh. planters but they did get a little bit of benefit from the cares act again so that helped a certain extent yeah so okay so what's the bottom line in this story are we gonna can we go buy their nuts <laughs> yes again all right you can go to their website uh you know what? i should have checked that to see if i could buy nuts all right we're gonna put a link and um god i well, gns based in arlington texas all right well, let's let's look that up right now because then we can do it um just keep then, an eye on the time oh it's 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 okay we're we're like way over the time already well people have nothing better to do than listen to than listen to us speak for right? yourself oh come on kishro all yeah. right so are they called greatnuts.com uh, uh you know they never did in the article in forbes that i read um uh-huh. they never did specify what gns stood for it's great nuts but that makes sense makes sense yeah it's great um great nut supplier yeah so so the company is called gns foods okay let me make sure that it's the right company yeah it's called it's all gns foods and their website is greatnuts.com g r e a t and it, it's funny because the pictures they're showing it is is the can you see oh my background is no i you can't see it. Uh, yes yes okay so yes there so that is the air, the airline rabbitkin that they're showing all right folks you guys need to go to uh i'm going to help you we're going to try to help you i'm going to send a note out to uh to the audience and say look if you guys want nuts you guys need to you guys need to, they're they're great nuts g r e a t n u t s.com and there's one word right huh great nuts is one word yeah great nuts great nuts is one word um and they're selling they're selling the nuts you can you can buy them straight off the website um you know so first class mixes for free ship to lower free shipping it looks like the lower 48 so yeah it's um all right go to greatnuts.com they're not a sponsor of the show but i think this is such a this is such a unique situation that we're going to try to help out these people at greatnuts.com um wow. oh my god that's so terrible all right so we got two more stories <laughs> i thought we had two more last time uh well we have two more in aircraft manufacturers and okay. then um so 737 max is this ever going to go away what's the latest well <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel is there yes so this week the faa 
specified that they need Boeing needed to make four large scale changes to the Max um, software package before they would allow it to fly, at least in the US. Yeah. The first thing is that they had to modify their code for the flight control software, which is this MCAS system, this uh, maneuverability characteristic, um, some active, um, something service, which adjusted the horizontal stabilizer of the aircraft, which is the horizontal service, horizontal surface near the tail of the plane. Mm -hmm. to adjust for any angle of attack um, uh, set, um, setting. So if the plane was flying at a nose-up altitude, the horizontal stabilizer would adjust because of the whole center of gravity change and all that. Right. Which so means they said they need to upgrade it, the software, to make it less aggressive. Uh, now remember, this was being activated from one angle of attack sensor, which is this little protuberance from under the cockpit on both sides of the aircraft. So the FAA said that it had to be reliant on both sensors to give you the same reading uh, before this MCAS would go into to effect. And if there was any discrepancy in the readings between each of the two sensors, there has to be a warning light and some sort of an audible warning in the cockpit to warn the pilots that there was some discrepancy between the data they were receiving from the two sensors on each side of the nose of the plane. That was number two. Number three was that um, pilots had to undergo a rigorous system of training to prepare for this software. Remember, Boeing neglected to do this because they thought they would slip it by unnoticed and it wasn't really needed. And number four was that Boeing is going to have to rewire some um, or reposition some wiring bundles from the cockpit from to the tail of the aircraft controlling the horizontal stabilizer. Now, from what I understand, Boeing has already started to make a lot of these changes, and uh, they expect that they should be done by the fourth quarter. Hmm. Now, remember, this is just for the FAA requirements, which is U.S. Uh, uh, equivalent of the agency. Right. Now, it has to be approved by Transport Canada, European EASA, and I'm assuming also um, the Chinese, the CAAC aviation, in addition to other countries. Mm -hmm. But at least there is some hope that this aircraft might return to service at the, by the end of the year. Yeah, and I hope it does because uh, so this would mean Boeing getting out of their barrage of bad news. That yeah. has been heading their way for the last eighteen four months. I know. Okay, so the lights are almost so, there. We have to see what goes on with all these. Um, yeah. With all these, and and hopefully once they do all these, it will allow the other countries to go. Okay, fine, we're good with this, and maybe they won't have any changes after. 
after all yeah. these are, are taken care. Um, th this is a classic example. You know, in years, 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 years to come, when you go to aviation school, like Embry Riddle, this would be uh, um, what do you call these cases? Case studies. This would be yep. a case study. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of, uh, I think it still will. It still will be. Yeah, it'll definitely be a case study to show. Um, because we did, when I was in a, at uh, Embry-Riddle, one of the case studies we did was the 767. And we talked about okay. how Boeing pretty much bet the farm and the 767 and the competition with the A330. So this will definitely be the 737 MAX is going to be a huge case study of how yep. the whole production thing works and how when you, when you decide to save money on one end, what ends up happening. And then, you know, just the whole string of things. But remember, Boeing was rushed, right? They had to do this to counter the Airbus Neo 320. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's so they really the didn't want to. Right. But it's not the first time that this has happened. No, no, uh, no. You know, Boeing at the 767, the A330, um, when they built the 747, they bet the farm on the 747 right. as well. So um, this kind of stuff has always, always been happening. Um, There's been a lot of uh, talk about how MBAs decided on engineering uh, cases and uh, badly, badly miscalculated. Yeah. Trying to save costs. So it, it's guys, you, you you just want to you know how you watch those time time travel movies. You just want to press a button and then like it's a year. It's a year now. You've 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 jumped ahead a year. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, Kusha, we, we, we should, at some point, we should go through, like, a, what we think is going to happen. Based on all the, all the data that we have now about what's happening in the airline industry, what are our projections in, like, a year from now and see how it's going to go? I'm sure we could come up. And then, and then in a year from now, we'll look at it and see how wrong we were. <laughs> or how right we were. All right, we were, right? Um, all right. One more. Embryo 175. The E2, what's the latest? So this is um, the updated version of the 170, 175 uh -huh. aircraft from Embraer. Remember the 190, 195 series are already out in their yeah. E2 versions. Um, I think one of the biggest hurt, this plane has no sales as of now, even though the First version of this, the 175, 170 series, is extremely popular with the US regional right. carriers. Exactly. So um, this plane, which you would expect to be a slam dunk in its upgraded variant, has no sales because um, it carries a little more, few more passengers, um, at least in the design phase but because of the scope clauses in regional pilot contracts in the US, it doesn't have any US sales. And uh, US airline sales are a huge driver for this plane. Oh yeah. So what they've done is that they've pushed back the, uh, they lift the first flight into 2023, which is two years behind schedule, in the hope that, um, in that time, there will be some agreement on perhaps some life-sustaining orders for this aircraft. But not too many airlines have ordered this uh, 
uh, yeah. um, upgraded version of the E175-190 series. And um, I'm curious to really know the details of whether it really is a maintenance hog uh, for being so new or if there are, there are other issues that, uh, that it has. Um, are causing airlines to shed these aircraft so quickly. Fair word. They, they did debut it at Pirate, the Pirates Air Show got it last year, 2019. Because okay. we should have had Farnborough this year, but we didn't have any. We, we never, there's no Farnborough. Farnborough would have been, for August, would have been last month. And, mm. uh, and so Farnborough and, and, and the Pirates Air Show are the two largest air shows. So um, I'll interject, interject a question here and then we'll get back to the E2. So because there's no Farnborough this year, does that mean that there's going to be Paris next year? I'm or sure. Does, or does Farnborough get to be next year since there wasn't a Farnborough this year? <laughs> that's, that's a weird one, isn't Interesting it? Interesting question. Yes, it is. Because then you'll have. Two. I doubt there'll be both. Right. It, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, it would be weird to be both. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think there's going to be a Paris next year either. I don't think we're going to be. Positive. I, I think in positive, but also being a realist, I don't think we're going to be ready by ready by then. God, I Paris hope. isn't in June, right? It's June. Sure. Yeah, it's June. I mean, so. they postponed the Las Vegas show in January. Yeah, so, yes, I know. Um, and, and that's I know, a huge hit for Las Vegas. That's a huge, huge hit. Huge. And um, we have another one. March in March, there's the world's largest travel show, which is ITB, which is in Berlin. And this is one of them that got canceled from this year because okay. of COVID. So we're going to see if, um, if that's going to work. The one in Singapore is also canceled in October. It's going to be uh, virtual. Um, mm. But let's get back to the E2. So uh, the E2, um, could it? So I, I saw something that says um, something about, uh, is it United is taking out the seats out of, the 76 seaters, they're making them 70 seaters. Uh, is this tied? Is it the E2? Is this? I had not heard that, so I don't know. Yeah, I did was, not hear. There was why are some, they doing it? has something to do with the pilot contracts. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, it had something to do with the pilot contracts. No, so, I did not know about this. Yeah, when so when, when you started talking about this, the, the seat numbers on the 175, the 76 versus the 70. Um, I thought I thought of that, so I don't know if if that has if that has something something to do with it. Um, Does that cut into the um, operating characteristics of the aircraft? Right, if you're removing yeah. seats, mm -hmm. it's going to be more expensive to fly that plane. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was one of the things that because they the reason why they add the extra six seats is so you can make a little more money off of it, right? And make it break even yeah. when it wouldn't have. Um, so, so they're not adding seats to the first class cabin. No, I didn't. Uh, it it was a, it was a part of a story, so it wasn't like the complete okay. details. So it was no, I've not heard about that. Yeah, so we're gonna go do some research and we'll have uh, information on that uh, for the next for the next the next one. But I thought of it because we were talking about the 175E2. Um, but it, it's, it's a remarkable airplane. They debuted it uh, in terms of flight at the Paris Air Show last year, last June. And so um, it kinda, it's kind of terrible that 
Was it the 175 or the 190 that they debuted at Paris? It might have been the 190 E2. Yeah, because I don't think they built it yet. It's the 190 E2 because it is the bigger version that they debuted yeah. at Paris. Yeah. yeah. Is 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 is, is the 190 even selling? Yes, they've got I think about 175 about orders, okay. farm orders for it. All right. That's of 190 and the 195. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so it is. A, Remember, JetBlue was a big operator of it, but they um, went for the 220 instead. Yeah. So is is it the so, 220 that JetBlue is going to fly across the Atlantic when they start doing their thing? I would assume so. Huh. That's going to be funny. Or uh, the 320, because remember, they're getting the Neo as well. Yeah. So, no, actually, I think it would be the Neo. Yeah, or they may just decide it's a bad idea, because, you know, it is a bad idea. <laughs> Especially now. Yeah, it, it was a bad idea at the beginning, and now they should just say, you know what, coronavirus, we're not doing it. And then that, that's a good way to get, to get out of it, right? <laughs> Uh, oh my God, we've no. gone a long time today, uh, but we've you know we had a lot to talk about. And normally we break into two episodes, but we're we're, get, we're going so good, so we decided to have one long episode. So hopefully you would have um, listened to us. Uh, did we have anything else, Fisher? No. Uh-uh. Okay. All right. Well, there are lots you. of other minor issues, but I think we should try <laughs> and standardize on a certain time frame. Well, you know, it is. We start talking and then we just go nuts. And we try, we really do try to standardize on the, on the time frames. But then what ends up happening really? is that, yeah, yeah, because we, we put the stuff okay. in and we're like, oh, we're going to do 30 minutes. But then we realize that you were in the middle of a conversation and it's like really hard to, to cut. You know, we should probably do it like radio shows. So in, in radio shows, you have like eight minutes or 10 minute segments because they have to break for commercials. Right. So because we don't have any commercials to break. We just keep on talking. <laughs> At some point, we'll get some sponsors so uh, we can get in there. But I want to thank you guys uh, very much for listening to us today, Babylon, about what's happening in travel. And as you can see, a lot of stuff is happening in travel. Um, and, you know, Kushor is a researcher and uh, he does a really, really good job of that. So um, thank you very much for doing that. And um, that's all we got for today. This is episode 23 on August 8th. I'll record on August 8th. And hopefully in a few days, we'll get this one uploaded. Um, and again, uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Google. And I've noticed that we're getting some increased downloads from Google. So thank you guys very much for that. Um, if you go to passrider.com slash WHIT, you'll catch up with all the episodes there. It's also on the homepage. And you can download it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Stitcher, and uh, I think we're even on uh, iHeartRadio. So we're on quite a bit of uh, the networks now. So this is Kerwin and my buddy. And we are signing off for uh, episode 23 of This Week in... No, we're calling it the old name of What's Happening in Travel. Talk to you guys soon.